We all know that the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And if we want to understand the Bible, we either need to learn the original languages or find a translation we understand. But far too often, we think of translation and understanding in a much too narrow way. We limit translation work to translating the actual words. What we don't think about is translating context. Surprisingly, this context includes reoccurring scenes that become a pattern. The original biblical readers would be expecting this when hearing scriptural stories. The bottom line, understanding type scenes in the biblical literature will enhance our understanding so that we can walk the way. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. Have you ever learned a foreign language? Even if you're not fluent, have you at least learned a little bit in a foreign language? Perhaps even enough to say hello or how are you? I remember my first real exposure to a foreign language. I was in fourth grade, and the high school Spanish and French teachers came to teach us a bit of Spanish and French for a few weeks. We couldn't actually start studying a foreign language until high school, so I'm not sure why they taught us some stuff in fourth grade. But anyway, we didn't learn anything groundbreaking, but we did learn some simple phrases, how to count, and, if I remember correctly, some other basic vocabulary words. I didn't dig into another language until high school, when I started studying French. Since then, I learned ancient Greek and German as an undergrad, Church Slavonic in seminary, and now I'm studying Hebrew. Now, I don't claim to be fluent, but what has happened is that whole new worlds have opened up to me. And it's no surprise to know, since I'm a priest, that Scripture takes on a whole new meaning when you can read it in the original tongues. There's a ton of wordplay, and often, translators don't translate directly, which sometimes takes away from the point of the passage. On one level, language is essentially symbols that have to be interpreted. This is essentially the field of semiotics. Depending on what you're doing, language is either marks on a paper or a computer screen, or sounds coming from someone's mouth, like now. But understanding a language is more than understanding just the meaning of the words. Those words have to be put into a context, and the entire context has to be understood. A good example of this is getting a grasp of colloquial phrases. If you're an English speaker and I say that something is cool, your first instinct is to think that I like whatever I'm talking about. But if you're not a native speaker, or if the phrase is translated into another language, you may think that what I'm talking about is cool to the touch. Stuff like this is happening all the time in languages, so digging deeper opens up a whole new world and gives us greater understandings. While words of the biblical text do need to be understood, there's also a larger, bigger picture that also needs to be understood. 
This is the language of type scenes. In other words, there are particular situations or scenes that pop up over and over again in Scripture, and these give us insights into what is happening. In fact, later authors of the Bible, such as the New Testament authors, will use type scenes from the Old Testament to tell us something without spelling out what exactly is happening. For example, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman, he speaks to her at a well. I bet most of us just thought that John included that detail to tell us something about the setting. But it's actually a type scene. Things have happened at wells in the Old Testament. Specific things. And John is expecting us to connect these scenes to give us a deeper insight into the conversation Jesus has with the Samaritan woman. In other words, we have to translate the scene as well as the language. Sometimes a biblical author may expect us to be so familiar with a type scene that the author purposely alters it. By altering the scene, he's able to tell us something important, something different about what's happening. But we can only understand the message if we first recognize that it is a biblical type scene and then key in onto what's different about it. So I'm proposing for the next couple of weeks to look at these type scenes, take a look at what they mean and where they occur in Scripture. So that you can see where we're going, here's a list of the type scenes we'll be looking at. Annunciations, birth from a barren mother, encounter with a future spouse at a well, epiphany in a field, initiatory trial, danger in the desert, discovery of a well as a form of sustenance, and the testament of a dying hero. Now, I didn't come up with this list, though I might modify it slightly as we begin talking about it in this podcast. Robert Alter, who is professor of Hebrew and comparative literature at the University of California, came up with it, and wrote about it in his book, The Art of Biblical Narrative. If you're interested in this topic, I encourage you to get a copy and check it out. Alter describes type scenes in the biblical literature as being similar to the study of conventions in literary form criticism. They are a set of reoccurring regularities of patterns. The illustration that Alter gives is that of Western movies. Imagine, in a few centuries, archaeologists are able to recover 12 Westerns from the mid-20th century. They will be able to note particular type scenes that are reoccurrent in all of these movies. Besides the fact that the good guys always wear the white hat and the bad guys always wear the black hat, the pattern that Alter mentions is the quick draw. He writes, In 11 of the films, the sheriff hero has the same anomalous neurological trait of hyper-reflexivity. No matter what the situation in which his adversaries confront him, he is always able to pull his gun out of its holster and fire before they, with their weapons poised, can pull the trigger. In the twelfth film, the sheriff has a withered arm, and instead of a six-shooter, he uses a rifle that he carries slung over his back. Alter goes on to suppose what these future archaeologists will say about such a type scene. But then he goes on to write, We contemporary viewers of Westerns, back in the era when the films were made, immediately recognized the convention without having to name it as such. 
Much of our pleasure in watching westerns derives from our awareness that the hero, however sinister the dangers looming over him, leads a charmed life, that he will always, in the end, prove himself to be more of a man than the bad guys who stalk him. And the familiar token of this indomitable manhood is his invariable, often uncanny, quickness on the draw. For us, the recurrence of the hyper-reflexive sheriff is not an enigma to be explained, but on the contrary, a necessary condition for the telling a Western story in the film medium as it should be told. Now, what about that 12th film in which the sheriff doesn't use a six-shooter? Well, Alter continues. With our easy knowledge of the convention, moreover, we naturally see a point in the 12th exceptional film that would be invisible to the historical scholars. For in this case, we recognize that the convention of the quick-drawing hero is present through its deliberate suppression. Here is a sheriff who seems to lack the expected equipment for his role, but we note the daring assertion of manly will against an almost impossible odds in the hero's learning to make do with what he has training his left arm to whip his rifle into firing position with a swiftness that makes it match for the quickest draw in the West. Just as Western films have the quick-draw hero, Scripture has its conventions that the original readers would have expected. Since we are some thousand years removed from the original context of Scripture, we don't always recognize these conventions, these type scenes so we have to be more deliberate about it. But being able to recognize them is a part of being biblically literate, a part of how we can interact with the text and come to understand it so that we can walk the way. Next week, we'll start digging into one of them. Until then, God bless. Mm -hmm.